I'm one of those people that like to get to the bottom of something, even if it's an elementary understanding of it. And in the world of video gaming and music and internet drama, I may be quiet on Twitter about these sort of things, but I'm staring right at the dumpster fire. I'm staring right into the sun, trying to figure out where this emotion came from, where and why everybody's swarming, oftentimes because of a well-crafted Twitter feed, I see the reaction before I see what the actual source of the reaction was, what the, what the news was, what the scandal was, that actually gave birth to these, well, I don't, I don't agree with X. I see more people not agreeing with X than actually finding the source of what X was. And on Weak Sauce, one of my old weekly shows, that will hopefully come back soon, as often podcasts on hiatus do, there was a section called Kyle Explains, where I would explain something I did understand. A car I was looking at, a, a bit of fandom, and I always thought, how fun would it be to actually share those surface-level dives that I do in the background. How I find out about something. The wiki rabbit holes that you can go down and find joy in. That's not just scandal or sensationalism or hype. Probably hype being one of the most dangerous of all of those in today's bizarre anthem-fueled marketplace and a weird crunch news happening. And so many of those topics are really interesting and I want to dive deeper into them. The problem is that in a two-man show, three-man podcast format, there's a lot of room for emotion. When you talk about drama, you're talking about your reaction to it. There's not a lot of time to just monologue about all the facts that are needed to be said on that subject. And so, finally, I've decided to launch this Kyle Explains. And know for now that it will be free of correctitude. We're going to be having fun diving in as we go. I, cer I certainly want to you know, correct pronunciations of names, places, things, and I want to get the facts right and report more interesting, more true statements to you. But for now, in the spirit of getting things going, it's just going to have to be the way it is. And it's going to be those wiki rabbit holes that I find myself on. And this week, there was the Anthem... Cataclysm event. EA finally unveiling its big hold on, hold with us guys, hold with Bioware while we get our end game ready for this multiplayer we made and hyped up. Could have been that one. It could have been the Dark Crystal Netflix Age of Resistance series that's coming out. The Skeksis apparently have a car. What is that car? What is a prequel to Dark Crystal going to be like? 
instead of those two topics, I really dug deep into Death Stranding. As many of you have, we all watched the trailer and had no idea what was going on. When actually, it is something my 8th grade English teacher would just love. This game is so ridiculous. As often these Hideo Kojima videos are. But this one in particular is free of all the old Metal Gear trappings. And he's now opened up a world to go as artsy as he desires. And he's a pretty artsy man. Huge film buff. You can find him on YouTube. Kojima Productions. Talking about movies. So you know that this guy is digging all the little nuance messages that he's pushing in there. And if you watch it at face value, you're kind of expecting the way it's presented with the apocalyptic playing in the background, which is so ridiculously 2007 to me. Just listen to that album nonstop. Kind of made the whole thing sort of weird for me. But you know that everything there is done on purpose, and that's what makes it so interesting. And because of that, I'm curious to see what sort of threads are going to go into the future. I mean, think of think of Uncharted. Hey, you got God of War to thank for that sort of set piece. Climbing, jumping, crawling around, quick-timey sort of events. The, the whole bridge is going down, and you're climbing up it. Will you ever see that bridge again? No. This is an open world. You're just going through the bridge. This one time, building's on fire. Laura Croft. In the remake. And that'll be the last time you ever see that building on fire. And all those things you can sort of trace back to the game before it, to how that was given birth to another area. I mean, even God of War, it's quick time events. Were a further pushing of ideas that were found in things like Resident Evil 4. And video games before that. I mean, think of the arcade game Die Hard had quick time events. Burning Crusade, World of Warcraft, had factions. And all of our games, particularly I remember loving Fallout 3, and New Vegas was full of all these factions all of a sudden. Why did, why did I have to care about all these factions? Well, Burning Crusade happened, and factions were the new thing. And as we've seen, Batman Arkham make that sort of detective, vi detective vision a thing. And that evolves into what we know in The Witcher, the Witcher senses. And now it feels like we're getting another evolution of that here with Death Stranding. A world that exists on top of your world through your own special site. It's pretty neat. But it'll be interesting to see where that continues. But beyond this is a well-thought-out product that he's created. There's a lot of ideas here. He wants to make an open world game, sure. Open world, oh, awesome, all right. It's gonna be stealth elements, okay. There's gonna be no death. That's perhaps one of the more interesting ones that I've seen about this game. There's gonna be no death, you, you die, you lose your stuff, and then you become a part of the other world. You end up on the other side, the upside down, and have to crawl your way back 
finding your body, maybe even Diablo style, finding your body after returning from the dead. Gather your stuff and continue on. All about connections. The funny thing is, it, it, it always hasn't been this classy. You look at something like Metal Gear in 1987. The cover is a recolored picture of Kyle Reese from The Terminator. Just standing there. It's Kyle Reese. An actor from Aliens, you know? So you gotta know that he's a huge film buff here. He's got Mad Mickelson, Norman Reedus. In fact, Norman Reedus was a part of the previous iteration of what became this game, a Silent Hill game. Which had its own sort of baby subplot going on there, which is rather interesting. Del Toro was also a part of that before it became this new Death Stranding article. And, and the name itself is taken from Cetacean Stranding, which is the phenomenon, the, the act of whales ending up on beaches. Well, whales, dolphins, you know, poor pie. Ending up on the beaches, mysteriously, of course. You know, this is one of those things that ancient aliens kind of love. The, why is this happening in 1577? Why were there suddenly whales all over the beaches? And they honestly don't know. They don't know why this happens. I mean, sometimes uh, they wonder if the temperature changes. If the whale just becomes confused. Certain coasts are more popular. And the slope itself might have something to do with it. Slope meaning that the, the sands that go up to the beach are at an angle where the sonar bounces off all wrong. And causes the whale to become confused and then they end up on the beach. And there are also just killer whales. Who actually, intentionally in Argentina, uh, there's one particular pod of killer whales that do it on purpose to get at seals. And this one pod of killer whales are the only ones that end up on the beaches because they teach each other. This family has this habit, this practice, tactic, of hauling themselves up on the beach and then slowly waiting for the tide to come in or flopping themselves on back and they get themselves a tasty seal and they teach their kids and the kids teach their kids and every once in a while a whale messes up. There's also the idea that some of these whales get confused by military craft boats using sonar. And as they pass on by, these whales are seduced onto the beaches where they become confused. Heck, sometimes they just think that one of the leaders ends up there, he starts calling for help, all the other whales end up there helping their friend, and now we have a bunch of whales on the beach. By the way, you should never eat whale. Apparently, this does need saying. Uh, there is a document in 2002, 14 Alaskans, ate whale blubber and developed botulism and that's just, that's scary stuff i mean first of all you know you shouldn't eat a bunch of old flesh but how it tends to come about is you kind of get confused your, your speech starts slurring you get a little bit weak and then your eyes get real heavy and you can't physically open back up your own eyes and eventually of course you know all the problems with eating something awful start happening and you die, falling to unconsciousness. But there's a period of time there where you're just too weak to do anything. Don't eat whale off the beach. Being the basic here. But Death Stranding, here, Whale Stranding, 
being this idea that you are discarded, you are relocated, strand on the shores of another world. And that's what's happening in this video game. He's also got a bit of a tie-in with an old short story by Kobo Abe, which is about humans using tools. You got a stick. Sticks help you keep distance from something. You push something away with a stick. Destroy it. Beat it off. Get it away from yourself. And then you have strings. And you, you tie things to you. You've got two options as a human. You're either pushing something away or you're keeping it with you. This is desirable. This is undesirable. And boy, once you start to make that whale string stick connection, you see what's going on here. That's when the eighth grade English teacher just loves this game. Not, not only the death being the whales, the strands being the strands, the strings that you're tied to. And there are a lot of strings throughout this thing. Umbilicals, for one, to the baby. But everyone's got their little umbilicals. Our villain, or antagonist, Mad Mickelson, has strands running from him into his undead warriors. The crabs in the early trailers are all connected by these mechanical cables. Heck, in the early trailers, there's even straight-up whales. They're in the background of... Troy Baker, you can actually see a flying, hovering, discarded whale. They all have these cables running amongst from them. And so you know this is all planned. And if we think of that as a journey to the other side, being chased by these monsters, well then, humans are the monsters. What did monster humans make out of whales? Well, they made a bunch of oil. So there's oil everywhere. And carrying away the bodies. Now, the hand thing I haven't quite figured out. Why? Pans are just cool. I think we all tend to like our own hands. Why not? They, they work pretty well for you. They hold your pencils. They work the keyboards. They're just, they're made for you. I think we all just, artists like drawing hands. It's hard to draw a hand, which is funny. Like people just like hands. I'm sure there's more to it. He's got blossoming hands. In the Japanese trailer, you get to see this monster with a, with double hands, you know, sort of fused at the wrists for a head. There's handprints along the biological canal that we travel through to the baby. Interestingly enough... This game is being made with the Horizon Zero Dawn engine, with Gorilla, which, Gorilla Games, not known for a lot of things at the moment. They did Killzone, Shellshock Nom 67 in 2004 for PlayStation 2 and Xbox, but Killzone, Killzone Liberation, Killzone 2, Killzone 3, Killzone Mercenaries, which was a PlayStation Vita thing, Killzone Shadowfall, and then Horizon zero dawn but hey and in a world full of you know frostbite engines and other stuff like that at least we know the game is functional at least they've completed some projects and for everything you hear those games have been pretty darn good perhaps the creepiest element we've seen through all these trailers is the time fall the rain 
which makes you age. Now I, now, I don't really know how that works. Because apparently, if you're under an object, if you're run over by a car, and your face is pointing up at the rain, you age. Creepy. Certainly one of the scariest parts of the old Indiana Jones movies. Why that doesn't work through the suits? I guess you got special rain suits, but your face would be exposed. No way I wouldn't be out there without some sort of mask on. But hey, you got a moat, you know? He's a film buff after all. You can't just have a bunch of guys wearing gas masks. Unless you want them to be villains, because then you would assume they wouldn't want to be seen with their faces out. And that's the whole, you know, stormtrooper sort of thing going on. So they got to have their faces out to a moat to make us feel for them before they're dragged off by hideous oil monsters into space and time. But as for what you're actually going to do in the game, that is not truly revealed yet. And it might not be that important because this could be one of those experience sort of games. But from what we know, it's going to be an open world where you are joining people, regathering America, as we saw in that most recent trailer. And to do this, you are traversing. You might summon a ladder. You might make a sort of bridge between two sections. You deliver supplies. You bring people together, open roads, that allows them to communicate and rebuild a society. And while you're doing this, you are beset by bandits, by perhaps people who want the time fall to rain on your face and make you really old, like Tra Troy Baker seems to be into. There are other factions at play. And so you'll be on this journey in a single-player game, but with an online element. And from the best I can figure out, that online element isn't really a player invading your world or an open-world multiplayer like we might have for something like Monster Hunter. It's more like the Dark Souls communication system where if a player died in that area, there might be some sort of symbol or corpse or uh, manifestation. Which reminds me a lot of original Demon Souls, the precursor to Dark Souls, where the more people died in an area, the more difficult that area became. And the more people slew in a certain area, the more light or easier it would become. And there seems to be some sort of element where you can leave each other messages, either through those deaths or by actually physically writing on the ground. That'll be communicated among various players. And there's vehicles. And there's clearly some sort of combat system. We saw in the American trailer that they are fighting the various summons. Kind of... Looks sort of World War One-ish in the trench warfare part, but it's pretty darn modern when we look at the equipment. Yet yeah, our tank is a little World War II-like. Mixing of times, perhaps. Or just, or it could just be, nah, I, I wouldn't put this uh, idea in there. He, he, he enjoys films too much, Kojima, to just throw things in there. But those are perhaps maybe the coolest version of the various things. Ooh, Trench Warfare is neat and, and directs us through a game better than just a big open field and people yelling, go, go, go in your ears the whole time. But as it stands right now, this game does seem to be perched 
to be the next big thing, at least when it comes to video game storytelling. And Last of Us really put a cap on the zombie games. And there's been there've been other ones since then, but they just haven't been as interesting as new. Now, granted, Last of Us is very HBO in its production. It's very emotional. Humans are the monsters sort of thing. And, and why not? Why not? I mean, that's the story of The Witcher too, as well. T-O-O. Perhaps one of the things I'm most excited about is that the actors are in the forefront. Granted, it's their faces, so yeah, give them credit. It's their faces. But finally, we're getting a game that is pushing the performances of the actors into the billing. And that has been sorely missed for a long time. I mean, look at any Blizzard game. It's nearly impossible to find out who the voice actor was. It's almost like a best-kept secret. Why? When in movies, we're constantly saying who the stars are. Sometimes with their names being bigger than the names of the titles of the film itself, or just the flashes we see in the final moments of the trailer to make sure you're reassured that the performance you're getting is this low. Oh, that's a Tom Cruise flick. Well, I like Tom Cruise. I'm now going to make sure I watch this next Tom Cruise iteration. Who doesn't like watching him run, after all? It's set for release later this year, November 8th, 2019. And at that point, we'll see if something so artsy can transform itself into actual gameplay that will capture you and make you want to complete the whole thing. And not just a fun sandbox where the story is incomprehensible or perhaps, in the end, unnecessary to the mess-around world you were given. And we'll see at that time if it has any lasting reverberations on the rest of the industry. But whether or not you own a PlayStation, which it is going to be a PlayStation exclusive for quite some time, if you look at the past of Kojima's games, it's worth keeping an eye on because it's certainly going to affect a lot of things. If you enjoyed this episode, subscribe with whatever podcast platform you enjoy. It doesn't particularly matter. You can find the direct RSS feed at kyleferguson.com, two S's in Ferguson. And you can find me on Twitter at Kyle Ferguson. You can also support the creation of shows and other shows like this at patreon.com slash kyleferguson. 